0: This is Existential, the podcast that reminds us that we're human first before we're anything else. And from that place, we can hear each other's stories and experiences as we wrestle with issues of justice, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Corey Leak. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Uh, Today on the podcast, I have my good friend, John Sloan. And John Sloan is a trainer in New Orleans. He's a husband. And we've been friends for like 15 years now. And John is on the podcast because he has a very interesting story to tell that I think is an important one for all of us to listen to. I'm going to be listening to this because there's a lot that I have to learn uh, from my friend, John. So John, thanks for being on the podcast. Welcome, my
1: friend. Corey, thanks for having me. It's good to be yeah, here. Man. I'm excited to talk to you.
0: Dude, so every time I see you on Instagram, I feel bad about myself because no. of how, how what great shape that you're in as I see you on a bike and then I see you like you know running around with your shirt off and I'm like, I wish I could take my shirt off and go outside <laughs> that's,
1: my, that's my goal is to make you feel, make you feel
0: bad. <laughs> Dude, were you doing some training this morning like did, yeah, was that yeah, where, yeah. You, yeah all day are you doing personal
1: training or is it like you do classes uh both I, uh, I teach uh, rides. It's a lot like Soul cycle, uh boxing, Pilates, um, all that good stuff. And then I do a lot of personal training during the day.
0: Dang, man. It looks like you stay busy.
1: Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's, man. I bounce on my love and get paid to do it.
0: I mean, you know what? That's, that's the dream, right? Yeah. To have something you love doing and get paid to do it. My oh. God, if we, all could, if, if we could only all do that. Well, listen, John John, I got so John and I, um, we first met part of the same evangelical church in Atlanta, and John was an intern there, right? So um, John, why don't we start why don't we start here? Let me say this. John is a gay man, and John was a part, again, as I said, a part of an evangelical church, an internship like 12 years ago. And at that point, John, you, I hope I'm saying this the correct way, you presented as a straight man. Um,
1: what <laughs> was that like for you, right? Well, um, I mean, it's like, well, we, like never, there was a moment. You know, times but, have changed so fast, even in the last, you know, 10 years. Um, I've never considered myself presenting, uh, but yeah, I, I guess back now, if I were to say it correctly, I would present it that way, yeah, um, it's
0: great. I mean, I think, I think, yeah. I mean, so you're right. That's the thing that, like, even as I have this conversation, that I'm always nervous, not because you know of anything about me, but more so that I don't want to, I don't want to be harmful in my language and in my communication. But I'm also trying to learn, and quite frankly, uh, some of what I'm learning right now, I'm learning in front of everyone listening to existential right now. Yeah, like,
1: or just around the world with everything. You're right.
0: Yeah, man. So there was a moment. You know, a time or a season before you came out to, uh, you know, came out as as gay. That like, you know, no one knew that. And so, I guess my question is like, what was that like for you, being in an evangelical environment long before we even had any any terminology around affirming, not affirming, um, in the church world? Like, what was it like for you working at a church, being an intern in a church, serving in a church, given that you had this thing inside of you that you were dealing with or wrestling with, I guess.
2: Um, I, I remember back then, I
1: had you know year, years of practice shoving this all down, so I didn't, it, hmm. I had suppressed it so much that entertaining the idea uh, was never an option. You know, you're surrounded by people who also it's not an option. So it it doesn't present itself a lot. Um, hmm. But looking back, hmm. I remember even now after when I came out was probably, I think, 2000.
2: Yeah, when did we leave Atlanta? 2009?
1: Am I allowed to? come here, I'm sorry if I cut.
0: Of course, you are. Everyone everyone does. I do. (laughs)
1: Come
0: on, come on, man. (laughs)
1: Um, I think I came out about ten years ago, so it it was it was not too
2: long after I left Atlanta. Um, But I remember, yeah, like I said, it not being an option when I lived in Atlanta.
1: But um, I always dreamt what it would be like. because it's just the way you're biologically programmed and mm-hmm, having mm-hmm. to suppress who you are for for so long is is kind of it's indescribable unless you've experienced it um wow it's hard to have anybody understand unless you've come out of the closet, and there's still so many uh you know gay people in the church who haven't come out yet and i I understand their struggle and i and I hate it for them, but um it's you have to work out all that on your own and in your own time.
0: How did you do it? How, how did you work all that out? Like, were there oh, man, it was... were there
1: circumstances? <laughs> were there moments? Like what, what, yeah. What, what allowed you to be able to, to do it? Yeah. What's funny is that um, you're going to think I'm lying. I had never kissed a guy. I had never done anything physical with a guy at all. Um, but I, I came out before then I was engaged to a girl. I don't know if you remember her. Um, yeah. And, um, she was fantastic and it was 10 days before our wedding, literally 10 days. And, uh, I had a nervous breakdown and I just Mm. couldn't do it. Um, it was in the middle of the recession and I I was a youth pastor at, at the time in Birmingham. And, um, I remember feeling so overwhelmed with, uh, not the church couldn't pay me anymore. I had to get a job. I was running a gym. Um, we were buying a house and I just knew, I knew everything was just wrong. And mm-hmm. without being able to explain it, I just, she was actually the first person I ever was her. And um, wow. I broke down in the car and was just in hysterics. And um, if I ever had to marry a girl, it'd still be her. She, she, um, <laughs> <laughs> she was so so kind and so lovely and mind you this is uh, 10 days away from a 500 person wedding that's yeah. already paid for and i told her and she the first thing she said was i'm so sorry you had to go through all this by yourself this whole time wow and, man. Um, yeah oh god i still i still get teary-eyed thinking about her um But I just, I I couldn't, I couldn't do it to her. I couldn't do it to myself. And um, yeah, I had a nervous breakdown and then literally took my best friend on our uh, honeymoon, told him I was gay on the honeymoon and um, then moved
2: to California, like packed it all up and figured it out on the way. Wow, man bro that's like such a a huge deal and yeah. like i can't imagine
0: like having to live in such a way that's so contrary to who i actually am but that i have to as you said earlier sort of shove all of this stuff down and and not acknowledge it um what can you think of anything specifically that like made you uh feel like you couldn't be truthful with anyone else prior to this moment that you came out to your fiance.
2: Like what
0: was it that that kept you from being able to come forward?
1: Yeah. So I I grew up in uh, an assembly of God house and, you know, speaking in tongues for anybody who doesn't know what that means. And (laughs) uh, all of of that. And I remember, I remember like it was yesterday being, being a kid and watching, we went to a Brownsville revival in Pensacola my whole Um, life. mm. And uh, I remember my mom always telling me that gay people had, this is not a lie, my my mom always said that gay people had demons inside of them. And um, Mm. so at the time, I didn't know what that word even meant. But I remember this guy getting up to say he got saved and um, saying that he was gay and that, you know, a demon got cast out of him. And that I just remember knowing at that moment, just in my little kid brain, like, oh, my God, I had a legitimate demon inside of me, I was terrified of the dark my whole life, well, uh, my whole childhood anyway. and um, I remember thinking like, okay, if I do x, y, and Z right, then the demon will leave, and uh, <laughs> my mom sounds horrible, she's not that bad, but <laughs> Well, in hindsight i have a, i've spent a lot of money on therapy for, <laughs> figuring out all the shit that she put me through but right. but she's a great person yeah yeah she's fine yeah, yeah.
2: but <laughs> i remember
1: i remember uh getting baptized i was in high school at this point and i was 15 and i was i just knew this is how programmed my brain was though like at 15 i still couldn't understand that I didn't have a demon inside of me I remember getting baptized and I was so excited for that day because I knew that I knew that I knew once I came out of that water that the demon would be gone I just knew it and I remember being so excited and then you know I I didn't know what I expected to feel but I knew it would just be gone so I remember when I came up I was so happy and then Um, I guess I was happy for like an hour and then I, not that I didn't even know what I was expecting to feel, but I remember Mm -hmm. just within, you know, days just being like, Oh no, no, he's, he's still cute. Yeah. That's
2: that's
1: (laughs) man, bro.
0: Yeah. So you as a teenager and even younger than that had with, you had people close to your mom without her knowing that she was stepping on your identity and, and choosing for you, how you should feel about yourself.
1: A hundred percent. And she had no idea, but yeah. Damn, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got, I got made fun of for being gay up until about seventh grade. And I, I remember thinking like, what am I doing And I just remember watching a guy that I knew wasn't and I was like, well, I need to copy what he's doing. So whatever I'm presenting is, is not okay to people. So I I need to do X. I was walking a certain way. And I remember my sister slapping my hand down and saying, No, John, like this, and then would Mm -hmm. try to teach me the right way to walk or, or, or what have you. But um i remember just thinking like
2: who i inherently was was wrong and it was a sin just just existing was a sin it's
1: it's different right from from anything else cuz it's kind of metaphysical like uh you know mm-hmm. no matter what race you are it's it's not a sin to
2: be a particular race but and you right. can do anything about your race but right me being gay, I also can't do anything about, right? But but it's different because it is wrought with shame
1: um, over nothing that you chose, and it's it's wrong in in, in Christian world. So it is. Uh, I compartmentalize pretty well. I, I feel like so. It's even now talking about. I haven't talked about this in a decade. Um. Mm even now talking about it, it's, uh, you know, I've forgotten or chosen to forget a lot of this stuff. Yeah, for sure. As,
0: as any human being would, and as any good therapist will allow you to sort of put this somewhere, not like shove it aside, like, cause it's, it's always a part of you, but to like put it somewhere safe where it's no longer harming you. Right. And so when I listen to you talk about baptism, it made me think about conversion therapy and, and I, and I wonder if you could describe as a gay man, like how harmful that ideology, that practice
2: is to human beings who are gay. Man, it's, it's, it's literally evil. And it's, uh, it makes
1: me, it's the one thing that genuinely makes me more angry than anything else. Because I, I remember when I came out to my mom, she asked me to go to, Um, you know, this Christian conversion therapy with her. And I I felt this need to walk her through it in, I I felt like I owed it to her because the thing, when you, when you come out of the closet, I'll move back to conversion therapy. When you come out of the closet, it's, you feel a sense of relief and you can tell perfect strangers that you're gay with ease, but people mm. you've grown up with your whole life, you feel just like a liar and you feel you're fake mm. and all those other words. And you feel it's a sense of shame, like circles back because you feel like, you know, I oh God, I, not only am I telling them this, but they also know that I've been lying to them for
2: so long and it's just, it's, it's a hard thing to go through um, with conversion therapy it's nobody would well, I guess some people would go uh, their own volition, but it's um the whole thing the whole thing is
1: you're already your brain is already programmed to to think that
2: your who you are is wrong, so this is just doubling down on it and um you know, kids' minds are so malleable, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's
1: it's an awful thing to do to them. And not until mm-hmm. you're on the other side, and some people never get
2: out of it. Um, but until you're on the other side, you see how evil it all is. Yeah, dude. I mean, I think that you know, and I I have to be, I have to admit
0: that like. I I was a terrible human being to the LBGTQ Plus community um just 15 years ago. Um and, and I'm just, you know, say to you, bro, I'm 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 really sorry for how I was. And I and I know like there's this real, you know, tension that we manage in, in our modern society about cancel culture and about like looking back at people's right. past and erasing history and blah, 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 blah. But I do think that there is, once you come to realize that there is something you were on the wrong side of history of or that you were wrong about, that it's important. And a part of the justice work is going, Hey, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And, and I, I made some comments from the stage as a, as a communicator, as a, as a youth pastor, That as I think back to people who were in that room, who were who, as you were, were suppressing something about their identity, and I just made it worse by shaming them and making fun of them publicly. I feel every time I think about it, I feel terrible. I feel awful. Um, And I, I think it's important to name that. I think it's important for anybody who's been a part of a, a faith tradition to acknowledge that and not in a way that's like, Hey, I'm going to acknowledge this so that you can come back to the faith. (laughs) It's like it's just, it's just in a, a, in a, I'm a, I want to be a decent human being who sees people as human. That's where that sort of comes from for me, man. And God, it sucks. Like, and I hear you tell your story. It's heartbreaking to me. Like to think about what you've had to endure now, that being said, man, what is, how does your, um sexual identity affect the way you view God, the way you view faith in America. Like what how is that how's that affected you?
2: Uh thank you for saying all that by the way. Um, man,
1: that's such a loaded question. Um <laughs> because I mean right because you're uh, the entire faith Christian faith is based off of this
2: book, right? And in that book, it lays out, not clearly, but, you know,
1: mm-hmm. indirectly that, you know, being gay is wrong. And so how do I say, knowing that I know about myself and that I, I know for a fact I was born this way, I can't do mm-hmm. anything about it. I certainly didn't choose to be gay any more than somebody else chose to be straight. It mm-hmm. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. But this particular book says that if who i am is wrong in a sin and it just didn't
2: add up for me it, I, I know that i didn't choose this so therefore i can't possibly follow this religion
1: that, that says who i am is wrong and so i, yeah, I started to yeah. have a million questions and um when things stopped adding up for me and like, you have this book, right, that's supposed to guide you for the rest of your life, but you don't get any follow-up questions, right? You don't, you go, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. here, you have this space of time. And if you don't do it all right, um, then sorry, you're damned to hell for eternity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, just, it stopped making sense. And, um, yeah. and I'd say I'm, I'm spiritual now for sure, um, but I left the, the faith when I, when I came out. Just because that there wasn't yeah. a place for me, and I know um, now, you know, certain denominations have, like you said, uh, affirming culture and and that, but it's still, I, it's still hard for me to understand how you can say like this is the word of God, except um, well, we're going to change some things so you feel included. Like it, it's, it yeah. that doesn't make sense to me either.
0: That's interesting. I, I've never heard anybody say that before. So I have two questions now right? from what you just said that like I'm leaning into, and I'm going to go with the first one. And hopefully I remember to ask the second one, but when you <laughs> describe and, and you say I'm spiritual now, what do you mean when you say that?
1: Um, I mean, obviously I, we didn't all just plop here. There's something bigger than all of us who who've, mm-hmm. who's created the universe and it's, I remember I watched a Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, documentary and I forget what it was called, but um,
2: it just blew my mind and I thought, oh my God. Like, I'm so, the world, the universe is so
1: magnificent. There is no way Mm -hmm. that the way we're all created and the way this all comes together, just life comes together can be left with this instruction book that is is so limited and makes very little sense. There's no way that the God who created this wrote this book. They don't mm. marry each other. This mm. is so much mm. greater than this is. And I don't understand it anymore. Um, mm. Mm. Because this is so intrinsic and detailed and beautiful. And this is
2: so, not, and right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how the two are together.
1: Mm. I don't mm-hmm. even know if that answered your question. I forgot what you asked. It does. <laughs>
0: well, about spirituality. I mean, you just described yeah, it. You described so this. Uh, yeah, I'm
1: spiritual, yeah. and and I still you know meditate and 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 pray. Um, I, I still think it's the same God, but just not in yeah. the veil of religion.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. I love it. I love it. I love, I love it so much. Like I think it's such an important statement to make, um, that it is the same God. Right. And I think I also find it really interesting that like you, that even in the Western evangelical attempts to be inclusive, you're finding a disconnect based on how you've, interpreted or at least had interpreted for you the scriptures. So when you hear a, a church is affirming um, or non-affirming, like how do those, does that terminology strike you? Like, cause they're, they're talking policy, but you're looking at it from a place of identity. Uh, this is me you're talking about yeah. and you're making a policy about me. Like, how does that feel to you?
2: Um. It, it feels like, <sighs>
1: Certain people at the top are like, "Okay, I think we might be getting this wrong. Um,
2: let's rethink this," which feels good. Um, I, I probably won't ever have a place in it, but uh, for mm-hmm. people who you
1: know need that, I, I think it, I think it's great because nothing feels better than you know somebody affirming who you are, right? And you, everybody just wants to mm-hmm. be understood and. Like, here's my story. I, I would like, I believe this, but I, this is who I am.
2: Um, how, do I, how do I fit into this puzzle? Um, so I, I'm, I'm glad for people who need that. Um, I, I don't
1: subscribe to it myself, but I, I'm glad people have somewhere to go. Because that's all what people really want, right? It's just to feel like they belong
2: somewhere, and that people understand yeah. it. I'm, I'm glad for them. I, I, like I said, I don't ascribe to it, but I'm, i I'm, I'm glad it's there. I remember a couple of years ago,
0: like while I was, you know, still this was kind of before I had started this journey I've been on lately to a more expansive way of viewing the divine of God, of faith, of society. I text you and I asked you, I said, hey, if someone invited you to church on Easter, would you go? And you said, sure. Um, I don't know how long ago that was. Like, are you, (laughs) are you like, what what would it be like? How do I even ask this question? I have a question in my mind that I want to ask you about church in general, right? And like, if, if you had a friend who said, John, I want you to come to church with me, is that like intimidating? Is that like, do you feel unsafe? Because I'll, I'll just give you an example. I have a friend, uh, Let's say, I don't, a friend, I guess is the only way I would describe it, on Facebook, Who was recently having a conversation about the Black Lives Matter movement. And they were having a conversation with like 50 or so comments, and every one of those comments were by white people who were saying that the Black Lives Matter movement had been hijacked and was illegitimate. I am friends with the person who started the, the time who started the thread, but I felt completely unsafe to walk into that space and voice my opinion or to just even be, even if I just commented hello. I felt unsafe. So given the fact that, that I know there are environments that I would totally feel unsafe even though I'm welcomed into them, like a Trump rally for them, Like, I, I I would feel totally unsafe and decline. Do you have similar feelings about church in general, even if it is affirming? Like where someone said, John, come to my church, we're totally affirming. Would you feel safe in that?
2: I would still feel like I
1: had, I hate this what I'm about to say. That I still feel like a, I had a scarlet letter on me, so to speak, and that people were like, mm. Um, mm. like, yeah, being nice to me because of this. Um, mm. Mm. And it would, yeah, 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 It would feel inauthentic, as well intentioned as it might be. And you know what? I that's just me. That's I'm not speaking for like the gay community, but that's just that's just me. I, because I have so much there, Dude, there's, you know, decades of hurt from the church inside right. my
2: soul that I, uh I've let go to rest. So that's just my own shit. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So no, personally, I would, I wouldn't feel, I'm sure I would feel welcomed on some level, but I would also feel like, uh you know, like a, pat on my back the whole time. Like, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't want (laughs)
2: that. Yeah.
0: I mean, I I think it's, I think what I'm hearing you say, and I hope I can like name this correctly because I think it's so important for all of us. Right. I think what I'm hearing you name is like this. um, I don't want to be the center of attention because I'm different. Right. I, I, I just want to be in environments where everyone's human. Yes. And I'm not like either discriminated against or put on a pedestal and and having people come wash my feet. <laughs> well, just to, to like calling attention to how other I am. I just want to belong.
1: A hundred percent. It's, I don't. Virtue signaling is what came to mind. It, it's it's yeah, a yeah, little yeah. Bit like that,
2: yeah.
0: Wow, man. Wow. Well,
2: because right,
1: cause... Well,
0: okay. No, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you first. You. Go <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like I'm not the only person who was told that i who I was was, was bad, right? Who gay people are. Sin. I'm not. I'm not the only one. Everybody who grew up in the church heard the same message, right? So. It, it, they have the same just bias, just years of bias built up in their, in their own minds as well, whether they're gay or not. So, you know, I hope that
2: people have, Christians especially, come to an understanding that it's not wrong. I still, I still I'm sorry, I'm going to go off on a tangent. Um,
1: can you, I'm going to talk about my mom again. Go ahead. Go ahead. floor is yours. I, sure. I remember when I had proposed and I, uh, my husband's name is Kyle and I had told my mom there was just silence on the phone. Nothing. Mm. i went, mm. mom, did you, did you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Hello? Uh-huh. She said, mm-hmm. Wow. It was just, and I, was like, I said, is that your way of, of saying congratulations? <laughs> I said, well, well, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you, you want me to say. I don't know what you guys say for these things. And I went, oh, my mm. God. Mom, you say congratulations. That's what you say. <laughs> And I remember, I remember being instantly mad, but then instantly sad. I, I literally hung up the phone on her and I pulled over uh, on the side of the road and just started to bawl because it was no matter, I had been out of the closet for you know eight, nine years at this point. And um, I, I was like, I'm never going to be okay to her. She's going to, it, it hit me, it's like she's always going to think, that I am a sinner in her eyes or that I am not normal and that I'm not going to heaven. And I cannot tell you there has been not one time Corey, that she has not been on the phone with me and brought up Jesus and said something to this tune, you know, he still loves you, right? Something like that. Mm. So that is if I were Mm. to walk into a church with that sentiment would still feel like it was on me while I was in the building yeah bro
0: golly that got I've I've never heard that statement sound more like a sword in my life than when you said it just now like this statement that's that's supposed to be like mean something to you Is such a harmful And destructive way You know he still Loves you right Like It's just
2: golly
0: man I mean I I used to And I still do have attention But I I used to feel um, Like Feel some sort of way I guess is the best way for me to say it About this Connection between civil rights And gay rights in America And, And at times felt like the, the crossover was, was, was doing both a disservice. And I think I kind of do still feel that way. Like it, it does both a disservice, but I can also see the similarities so blatantly
2: 100%. between
0: the two, you know? And, and, and I, I think, you know, I think for me, when I, when I think about, you know, the fact that I can't go into certain places without knowing that I've brought a foreign identity into the room, And people are staring at me and people are like following me around or if I'm pulled over that like there is a I I am I am draped in a weapon. Right. So I I can see pretty blatantly the the ways that my blackness shows up in the world and the effects that it has. When you talk about sexual identity, that's not something that most people wear outwardly. Right. Right. But in what ways, you know, we've talked about some of them, and we talked about them specifically when it comes to church, which I think most of us know um, how harmful the religious space can be. But when you're just, you know, living your everyday life, and where do you see the effects, the adverse effects, where do you still see the marginalization of the LBGTQ plus community happening in our society? Uh,
2: I'll circle back to that. Um, mostly the trans community, to be honest with you, mm. um, mm. that's, that's a long fight, but, um,
1: you know, when some people still ask me now, like you ask me to chime in on black lives matter things. And, and I'm like, listen, it's, it's, it's a hundred percent different. Uh, yeah, we're minority groups and that might be where it starts and stops. Cause they're totally Corey can walk in into a building and, uh, you know, everybody knows he's black. You don't necessarily know that I'm gay in the first five minutes, maybe mm-hmm. 10 minutes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I had, I was, I hit that I was gay for 24 years. You can't hide that you're black for right. many seconds. Not that right. anybody should and not that anybody should feel right. ashamed for who they are for two seconds. You should feel right. proud no matter what. Um, yeah. Yeah. But trans people, I feel now are the most marginalized And in, and I, in the same way you wouldn't walk into a Trump rally and, and get excited. I wouldn't walk into a church and get excited. I would, mm-hmm. I would feel I was there to placate somebody or to make, just, just make somebody happy and
2: like, okay, here, here I am for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't like what I feel the second I, I walk in. Hmm. And I oh, remember man. being a youth pastor and,
1: and knowing that I felt that way about myself. And I remember I had a t- when I was in Birmingham, I had a ton of gay kids. And I don't know if maybe I was just putting out, you know, some like, oh David, this guy is probably gay. But I remember <laughs> I had a lot of of gay girls and, and boys and i was just I remember thinking like internally i was happy that they were there but i know that they felt the same thing that i even felt as a as a youth pastor i know they internally felt the same way but i but i probably gave them the same
2: thing that my mom still gives me it's like jesus he still loves you mm. I, I hope i didn't make them feel that way Yeah, man. Well, and and I know that, like,
0: ultimately, my belief is that, you know, none of us go through life unscathed um, on either side of it. Right. Like we've either harmed people or been harmed. At some point, we will have both of those things happen again as we move forward. But I I think what's most important is that we um, can recognize that. Right. And we can we can name the thing. That we've done or said that's been harmful. You and I both know of people who are having a very hard time naming the hurt that they caused to people. Yeah um, and that sucks. And it, it really does. I think you know I think part of all of these conversations that we're having, as we're moving forward to a better world, is people being able to say, "I have been hurt." And for them to, for, for the people who say I've been hurt to have the folks who hurt them say, Hey, I hear you. I recognize it. And I'm sorry. And if there's anything I can do to make it right, I won't hesitate to do so. That's to me the best we can ask for as human beings because we're all going to get it wrong. For sure. Well, man, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. I, I just, I appreciate our friendship. I, I appreciate the. Yeah, I mean, you you just you have a grace for folks, and I think that's so. I mean, not even something we should ask for or demand of people, you know. And, and I just think I, that you have it, and I think it's great, and it it allows me to um, to grow in my compassion and in and in how I should behave around folks and talk about people and 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 be about be an advocate for uh, people who are marginalized. As well as advocating for uh, Black and Brown folks in America. So,
1: yeah. dude, you, man, thank so you for, great. Man, you're not gonna change anybody's mind by being an asshole, right? So Exactly. <laughs> I have exactly. Nothing. Yeah, I'll change my mind, your mind, by you know being nice and showing you who I am, and maybe we'll rethink things yeah man well thanks for taking the time today well folks um, thanks so much for
0: listening to this episode of Existential Uh, my guest again was John Sloan and I'm so grateful to have had him on the podcast Um, thank you for all of you who share rate, review the podcast Um, I want to thank Comfort Fit for the music you're listening to this song is called Sorry and lastly I'd like to say thank you to all of you who are part of the Patreon community those of you who uh, are supporting this work and contending for a better world with us Thank you so much for doing that, and thank you to all of you for contending for a better world with us one conversation at a time.